Welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business Podcast, where we explore the game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance and well-being in the workplace. If you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business, if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber, and if you want to be part of a revolution in human potential, then join us to discover the powerful resource that lives before our psychology curious. So welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast series. And we're back with a new episode. I've got another really, what I think is going to be a very rich interview lined up um, with Rich Cockgreave, who I've known for probably, or known of for a couple of years because our paths crossed. And we've started more recently having some really interesting conversations particularly on email and now we're starting to get into it in in person and we thought we should record some of this because there's probably some gold dust in here so rick i'm really grateful that you've given us a bit of your time to come onto the show and if we could start off with you gift giving a little overview of your journey to where you are and how come we're talking yeah, great. And thanks, Piers. I mean, as, as you say, there's been a couple of years in the making this this call, and it's I'm really glad it's it's happening. It's a real privilege to be here with it. And and to try and unpick where we are and where we've come to. I suppose a bit of my background, there was there was a background of sport. I was a lacrosse player. I kind of came out of that. I used to teach kids to play lacrosse, and then I was a PE teacher for a period of time and realized. It was less about sports development and more about human development. Human development became an interest in coaching. Coaching became a route out of education into business. And the last 12, 13 years, I've been in business, coaching, teamwork, exact development. But along the side of this has been this journey, spiritual journey, psychological journey, philosophical journey, just trying to understand the mind, which I think is where we come in together, actually. So... I guess that's what I do. I'm, I, I, as I day to day is playing around with this idea of what's going on within the human dynamics, within relationship to ourselves, relationship to other people, relationships in business, and how do we have a quality of life with quality of mind? So I think that's where we come to here. Um, a bit to answer the question of where my path came into this. I, I had a kind of childhood experience of, of playing sport and a lot of that work was around the pursuit of better mm-hmm. so it's very much a doing orientation a outcome objective view of the world get faster get stronger score more goals whatever that might have been and i retired from playing across at 24 25 and found myself in a bit of a lost state a, a loss of identity i was no longer a lacrosse player i was a teacher but i was trying to find how do i fit into the world so of course to replace lacrosse i took up basketball and i took up climbing climbing was a another way of measuring how good i was i could get better at it and then i took up yoga as a way of getting more flexible and perhaps getting a bit stronger. So initially, as a physical pursuit, the yoga was really interesting. But then a woman called Frances Homewood, who's here in Sheffield, introduced the different the different limbs of yoga and the concept of Santosa, the deliberate act of contentment. And I kind of thought, mm. contentment? 
Mm-hmm. What the hell's that? Why would you bother with that? <laughs> Why would you bother with contentment, which for me was mediocrity, it was stagnation, it was boredom. I thought happiness was all about achieving a goal, chasing a target. But five years on from meeting her with a series of trips to India and a deepening meditative practice, it began to make sense. And there was happiness found in contentment, appreciation, gratitude, acceptance. And then it began to really wrestle. I had this piece of contentment was telling me a story about connection to something bigger than myself an opening into a different way of thinking, a letting go of the ego and, and all, of, all of the things that meditation can bring. And I could recognise the happiness and the contentment that would bring. But I also saw this version of me, which I'd been a long time identified with, which was the chasing better. And I, could, I knew the happiness of getting selected for a team, achieving a personal best, scoring a goal, and I was, I was wrestling with how can they have this better and contentment? How can they both play in together? And then I began to recognize, and we've spoken about before, is, is when we play, we have both. We have that both, the child. The child just, just enjoys the game of life. I don't know part of your language, but you just enjoy playing. So the first time I pick up a lacrosse stick, I'm not very good at it but I really enjoy it. And because I really enjoy it, I come back the next time. And if I come back the next time, I get a little bit better at it. But I really enjoy being around people. It's really playful. Until someone says the immortal words, you could be good at this if you practice. You could be good at this if you work harder. And then back into the conditioning of chasing better. Mm. So there's been a real journey since I've retired from lacrosse of trying to make sense of an identification with the chasing of better, achieve more, drive more success, whatever those stories are, but a greater realisation of this richness that's found in contentment or contemplative practice or an exploration of something beyond just taking, you know, taking happiness just from the pursuit of an external goal the much more deeper internal dive into what does it mean to be human, what does it mean to be alive, liberating ourselves from some of the, again, the conditioned, because let's get it right, society's all about, I'll be happy when I've got my GCSEs, my A-levels, my degree, I'll be happy when I've achieved this, I'll be happy when, that constant story the realisation there's something different, actually. I can be happy now. I can be happy in the moment. And the present moment awareness becomes part of that, which then leads all into this bigger, expansive space into looking at what is the true quality of mind, actually. Well, yeah, Rick, thank you for sharing that. There's loads in there, and I'd love to unpick some of that a bit more because I think you're hitting on such a... Well, there's lots of things in there, what you said, but just that what can look like that contradiction between getting better and achieving and striving and peace and contentment. And I know your work for the last few years, well, decades, you know, after you got out of sport was into business. And if we just take it from the business frame at the moment, you know, I'm sure there's quite a few people listening that would go, yeah, I'm not 
dance with that too you know so i want to achieve in business hit, hit my potential hit my organization's potential and sometimes that doesn't look like that it comes with contentment it comes with burnout it comes with stress it comes with balancing the i mean what just from the business lens to start with and then we'll get into it more fundamentally what have you seen in your many years of working businesses around that well i think that, and that's the perfect thing I, i've had this almost anti you know view of contentment i thought what's the point of it it's 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 stagnation it's boredom but i've been so conditioned to believe that striving was the only thing i i blinded myself to you right it's it's also the place of stress it's the space of burnout that relentlessness it's like sisyphus pushing a rock up the hill yeah. you know and then you achieve success and then you wake up the following morning and you go well the ball you know the rocks at the bottom of the hill again so there's a definite burnout in that pursuit of excellence that once we begin to open our eyes to it we can begin to see some different work. I remember early on in my coaching, speaking to a guy who had it all in many ways, big mm. business, he was planning his retirement, he'd got everything in place, he'd got the big car, he'd got da, 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 you know, all the classic trappings of success. And I found myself just asking the question, when was the last time you felt joy in your life? And it stopped him dead. And tears came to his eyes, and he's a successful, mm. driven, male figure, all those but actually, suddenly, by asking him a simple question, when was the last time you felt joy? He suddenly stopped and he, he went, it must be 20 years ago. Mm. And, and you suddenly realise how many people are trapped in that. They're trapped mm. in a world of the condition, I need to create the success, I need to keep, mm. moving, keep doing this, where suddenly opening up to... Where does happiness come from, and why? Why? Why do I keep believing I'll be happy when I've retired or when I've got promoted? What would it be like to be able to embrace fully the life we're living at the moment? So, let's make an assumption now that our listeners are listening because they've sort of twigged something already about. Oh yeah, m maybe it's not just about the the endless seek of pushing the rock up the hill. That that so that 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 they're. they're they're listening because they want to know the answer to that question, right? And the question they might be going is, okay, I've spotted that. I've spotted that just driving leads to burnout and stress and I don't have, how do I have both? Or, or where does happiness really come from? How would you answer a question like that? In, 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 how many, like, in a minute? <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll give you a whole 10 seconds. A couple of minutes, two, two or three yeah. minutes, because I think we'll probably bounce off that ourselves, Rick. Yeah. I think it's beginning to look, and I think it's beginning to look at, does your existing strategy provide you with what you want? Mm -hmm. And if you then play it out, and then perhaps beginning to look at, there might be more, or there might be something missing. And if there's something missing... Is it going to be found in the next objective target? And I think there's a, you know, for someone we both know, well, you know, with, with Rupert Spires, do you want the Ferrari or do you want happiness? Yeah. And, and of course, the classic question is, why can't I have both? And you go, well, if, if you had to choose, which one would you take? And, and then I think it begins to open up the question of actually the reason I was chasing that thing What's the pursuit? Pursuit. It's not the objective target I'm actually seeking. It's yeah. actually. I, I thought the Ferrari would give me the happiness. That was my route to happiness. Yeah. That's right. 
and then suddenly realizing I've got the Ferrari and very quickly it went, you know, the the kind of thrill of it wears off when I want another Ferrari. Or, and again, it's the constant seeking of happiness when actually there's a realization could we have happiness in the moment? Hmm. Which can open up a different door into a different perspective and a different worldview. So I then think opens up a pathway to a much broader conversation. Mm. So we start to see that happiness is there available regardless to what we've got going on. And we start to see that it's sort of fundamental to what we are. It's 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 you know, the way I've described it, it's it's beneath our psychology, it's before anything else it's innate in us you know so that that contentment which i know you used to align to stagnation and not movement actually is giving you a clue that you're in the space of infinite whatever could come from that so so we don't have to seek happiness outside we realize it's right under our nose it's just hidden by the strata of our thinking and perceiving so we then get into okay right let's say the listener's still tracking us here how do I have more of that? If, if that's the case, if it is innate, right, and it's there, how do I have experienced more of that on a day-to-day basis? I think that's where work like self-inquiry, reflective practice, gratitude practice can begin to open up into a space that begin to recognize an appreciation of what is, an appreciation of what we have, a gratitude for that, rather than a pathway, which perhaps we've been stuck on the conveyor belt, the mouth wheel of, I'll be happy when, or I'm concentrating on what I don't have, or I'm frustrated Mm -hmm. with what I don't have. Can I be happy with what I do have? And that begins to open up again what is there prior to the dissatisfaction, prior to the striving, which may right. well be that. So we move away from lack and what I don't have and striving to seeing what's there already. Yeah. Right. And actually, we're not only just saying, although it is lovely to be grateful for what is in my life in terms of things I perceive and and, and have as objects, but we're actually saying a little bit further back than that go and see what you have before what I would call before psychology, go and see what you are before the activities of thinking, feeling, and perceiving. And and that, that's, that's, that space is a really interesting one because I think a lot of people go, yeah, I can see I should be more grateful for things I have in my life. I've got a family, I've got green fields outside me, uh, you know, but we're saying actually go lovely to do that, but go, even further back to see what am I, what is all any of us before the activity of psychology. And that's a really interesting space to look at that I don't think we normally look at. It's not taught in schools. It's not taught anywhere apart from in a very esoteric, spiritual, maybe very highfalutin, long, but I actually think it's, we can get, we can see that in moments through direct inquiry. I think that that we could again it's language, isn't it? Language it's, it will limit some of the conversation, but mm. you could call that the awakened state or the yeah. realized state. 
of where are we before our psychology kicks in, before the thinking mind kicks in, before the emotional mind kicks yeah. in, what's, what's present before all of that. And maybe through the inquiry, through experiences, we can see that actually there is something opening to love, to nature, to the divine, whatever language we put around it. But perhaps, again, it's something that's accessible without striving, without yeah. the conditioning that gives us a, a freedom. But I think that when we begin to open that doorway to it, so I think I'm, you know, I can talk from my experience that suddenly it was a total game changer beginning to see that awakening that actually the striving that I'd been so identified with could fall away, mm. that there was a natural, innate, whatever language you want to use around it, state that it was available to me without efforting, without yeah. doing, without getting caught in the trappings of much of society, you know, chasing chasing sports and accolades or whatever it might be. And, and how come you think from your experience of talking to people like this for quite a while, how come that isn't more obvious to us? And it's one of the questions that fascinates me is, because most people, when they see it, go, oh, my God, that was a revelation to me. How can I not see that before? So what do you think in our society or in, even in the mind stops us from seeing that more easily or often? What would you say from your experience? I think in many ways we become identified with some of the, I guess, some of the ego structures. We can now bring in some of the psychology language. Um some of that space is that we we become identified uh, with the conditioned version of who we are. So I become mm -hmm. I become to believe a reality of the striving, the the seeking person, the seeking identity. That that in my day to day world is the person I am in conversation with, or I'm the person, the perspective that I see the world through. So it's I think we get trapped to some extent because that's what's happening in schools, it's what's happening in mm. business, it's what's happening in society, where we talk about and identify the separate self. Mm. Me, you, us, them, becomes part of that. How do we find a sense of belonging or a sense of connection? And I think you're spot on right, and I'm going to add one bit to that. We also get taught there's a me that needs to deal with the world that's happening, right? So even if you think about resilience in the way it's taught, which is, you know, really well-meaning, it's like, okay, there is things in the world that are tough and hard and difficult, and it's down to you to dig deep and be resilient, right? So in, in that, we start to see a separation, not only between me and another person, but between me and what resilience is, yeah. right? Now, actually, resilience in, in this space we're talking about before, before, you know, all the psychology going on, that that there's inbuilt resilience in that. So we separate ourselves into an individual self that then needs to deal with the world as if it's happening to it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's one of our cultural and quite invisible cultural conditionings that then it's down to me to deal with the world in a, in a powerful way. 
which is better than being in a victim mindset, but it's still like, it's still perpetuating the innocent myth of there's a me that needs to be a certain way to deal with this world because the world's coming at me. Right. Rather than seeing, Oh no, actually, if I go back to what I am, essentially this space we talk about, I don't need to do that because there's no separate me in the first place. So I think there's a, we, 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 inno we innocently invisibly perpetuate this idea of us being separate, not just to each other and to nature, but to our own, the, the own innate attributes we have. It's making me think of some of the Gabba Mate's work. Mm -hmm. Some mm -hmm. of the early stuff about that authentic connected, maybe the authentic space, the natural ability to be, to be ourselves, the sense of being and connected, connected to the unity of the world, but also connected to the caregivers, connected to the sense of the tribe or some of those spaces for survival. And I think there's a degree to which, especially if you take Gabba's work into that world where you suddenly go, there's a degree to which as the infant, we are connected to the mother, the divine. There's, there's no recognition of a separate self. In the early childhood development, we become self-identified. We become to become yeah. separate. And in that moment, this challenge between can I be and be part of something becomes the tension mm -hmm. that I think for all of us, even in the healthiest of households, experience a little bit of... Can I be, or can I just be and, and be accepted and, and appreciated and, and connected? Or is there a part of the conditioning that happens early on? And that conditioning of maybe for all of us, please be quiet mm. or please behave or don't do that or whatever it is. And the degree to which I'm only lovable when yeah. comes the initial insecurity and the initial yeah. conditioning of, oh, I see, in order to feel safe, I need to begin to adapt my behaviour in a certain way. Yeah, and that's really normal and conditioned, isn't it? And yeah. and, it, and it's all based on the pre presumption that I am a separate thing that needs to be loved, right? Yeah. So, so you then, let's go back to the, possibly what's going on in the mind of our listeners we're going through this. Because sometimes this starts sounding to where's the relevance you know don't i need to be this way in life in order to be achieving and, and you know can i because it sounds like you have to give some stuff up but a little bit like you said with your contentment betterment kind of paradox um and i suppose it's pointing people to see that if you think about when have you really been at your most if I use the word successful or productive or or even happiest, joyful, in that moment, what was going on in your psychology? Were you actually striving or was it the absence of striving that allowed you to fall back into this flow and, and great things started to happen? Because it's not like when we start to see this direction, we just become inert. Almost the opposite, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, what's your experience of that? I think we're in that space of flow. I think we, so what's what's happening? I think we're striving for that moment of 
achievement, acceptance, union, that we know we suddenly have that moment of elation or happiness. We've scored the goal. We've won the business deal. We've connected to another human being in a, in a really beautiful way. And they have that kind of illicit moment where suddenly we lose the self into the moment. Yeah. Which I think is the, is the space of flow when we're just in the moment and it's evolving into that world. It then becomes... It, the danger of it's short-lived and the conditioning is I just need to keep chasing it. I need to, yeah. Rather than I can surrender into it and I'll find it through surrender into it. So there's something in that world of... It's it's that we receive it, we touch it, we hold it lightly for a moment and then we lose it. And then we go, oh, what, did, what did I do to get that again? And I'm back into my conditioning and I'm back into the striving pattern. But there's something about the degree to which we can let go of that and i think it's so at one level and this is going to sound ridiculously oversimplified it's a very simple error because as you just said we experience that we recognize that and then the simple error we make is we then look in the wrong place to get more of it right so we look into our psychology or into the world of activities and you know objects to get it rather than it's just back the other way. I mean, it's not even that far back, right? <laughs> but we just seem to turn the wrong way when we're trying to get it again. And 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 once you have, it's like if you're driving the car, if you do make that wrong, one wrong turning, it, it, it does take you the wrong way for a bit. Now you can loop back round, right? But once you've taken the one wrong turning, which I think we seem to, we then don't bother looking the other way again. No. So we just got to make that simple adjustment, not always easy, of going, okay, where is that place of flow? Oh, it's not that way. I can't find it in the, doing the activity. I can't find it in the – it's it's before that. Just sitting yeah, there waiting. Absolutely. And I think this is this is being versus – so being versus doing. We right. get trapped into the pattern of doing. It's conditioning. It's it's where habit patterns and conditioning can become can become addictions. We you know we believe that this we keep seeking this thing, hoping it will give it us again, and we get trapped into the doing action. Whereas actually, if we can give that up and just be, then maybe more is available for us. I also think it's a difference between play and work. There's a really interesting the mm. play. The play in itself almost has no expectations. A child plays. He's not chasing something. It's just doing. It's just, sorry, it's a process of, it's in that moment of being in that idea of playing. But if we play, paradoxically, by nature of it, we become more able or more competent or more skillful. Or, or, and yeah. then the trapping of better comes in. And there's a, But there's a joy and a natural feedback loop of the joy of achievement of something comes from play without expectation and it feeds itself back and we have this the beautiful moment of pure play no expectation in itself if it remains playful brings with it the joy of success and there's a really lovely loop yeah i think where many of us get trapped in a belief of work which has an expectation which has an expectation of i'll be happy when i'll yeah. chase the ferrari and the work has an expectation that if I do this, I'll get that. Yeah. 
And that's the trap. So the difference between play and work is that there's a there's a space, a really subtle space about what's the expectation. And you can see that when someone takes a hobby like photography and then makes it their profession. Yeah. And you can go, oh, all the joy's gone, the play's gone. And now I've, it's been like when you were lacrosse, someone said, oh, you could be really good, right? You know, yeah. so it's like, bang, you've lost it. So what we need to give ourselves permission or start to explore for ourselves, it's not a cerebral thing, is you can go to work, you can run your business from the space that we would call play, right? You know, and you're still, because of the intelligence of the system, have an accountability to probably turn up at nine o'clock in the morning if you need to and to deliver a deadline if you need to, right? You know, not 100% time, but 99%, just as good as you were before, if not better. So it doesn't make you into an idiot. It doesn't make you irresponsible. It doesn't make you into some flighty kind of vague fluffy kind of oh well you know they're just in their own world that, that that doesn't seem to happen to me so people can still go to work in the space of play and do a great job yeah and, and, and it's back into a space of if i'm engaged if i'm if i enjoy what i do and there's, a, there's an element to which we can begin to put that playfulness joy back into the workplace and of course it just by nature we want to be there and if we want to be there we it naturally will give us great results. Whereas when we're in work mode, in achievement orientation, it can help it with some time to become more tense, we become more resistant, we become more you know, striving for it. And that tension can lock us in and become, we become less creative, we become more fearful, we become more kind of deliberately in that space, kind of absolute reliant on the outcome delivering it. We're actually playing itself can create great outcomes yeah and i think it's it's this dance between those two things that we've just got to get right it's how do we dance in that space because there is a degree of accountability and there is a degree to which great business or great sport or great things still come from that moment of there's a degree to which that playfulness and that, and that competition striving together piece allows us to create brilliant outcomes when we're in that kind of playful exploration yeah. of ourselves and, and that's exactly what we how we describe quality of mind it's the dance and the flow in between the two yeah. which we need in the game of life particularly of work and we're so over indexed on the wrong side that we're trying to rebalance that so um yeah i think you've just described that r really neatly it makes lots of sense to me so so rick what we're saying here is that we can relatively easily recognize there's this space that we can be in call it flow call it play where we have a access to resourcefulness peace productivity performance and then in other times we get really sucked down into our conditioning the self feeling separate feeling unresourceful Well, what's the relationship between those two and how do you see someone start to shift the ratio of where they spend more of their time in their day? Yeah, I think there's, there's something, and we, I've certainly listened to your podcast before, and we've seen the conversation between awakened versus enlightened. We can see that element, the, the joy, the beauty, the innate nature of ourselves to be free from our conditioning 
Yet, as we seem to navigate the world, the game of life, as you as you beautifully describe it, sometimes we recognise the value of the ego to allow us to navigate that space. But also, as we begin to do this work, the limitations of the ego and how it can trap us and stop us accessing our innate space. I think we dance between trying to understand those two states that ultimately they begin to find a way of of creating a closeness between those two states that that at one at one time gives us access to this creative brilliant innate self and liberates us from some of the conditioning that can trap us um into other spaces where we're not as effective. We're kind of, we're ruled by the emotion or we're ruled mm. by the conditioning. So it's a beginning to, to how do we help people wake up to realize the, the, the innate nature? At the same time, to what extent can we help people let go of or see a way of freeing themselves from some of that conditioning that might be trapping themselves in this striving, not good enough, not worthy enough, not capable enough world that traps them in that separate self. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Because I think in both of our works, um, we don't just leave people at the kind of, the profound sense of hey you you are consciousness you, you you know blah 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 it's about how do we bridge that to psychology day to day right and, yeah. and and you could call it the reality of what we are in the in the conditioned ego it's how do you dance with that how do you start to see that actually more you start to see over time that they're not separate things it's not like oh there's me in this peak state and then there's me in this rubbish. you start to see that actually there's a merging of those two and then there's more grace and gratitude with the self when it does play out you know when the, i call those kryptonites come and trip us up there's more grace and gratitude so the 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 suffering that causes is not as prolonged and as acute yeah so the, the trough doesn't go down as long and it's probably more v-shaped than u-shaped if you can see what i mean yeah. more like the three-year-old we're still going to have them but also you then start to, the system starts to recalibrate, especially if we're able to iron out the kinks through some reflection or inquiry, they 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 start to trip us up, trip us up less. Yeah. And you start to see, and this is what I find fascinating. This is a big shift for me. You start to see that the point of life, if you want to call it that, <laughs> um, is to start to see that what is turning up in your isness, what is turning up in your perceptions is there to be, is a reflection of where your conditioning is and is there to kind of learn from and lean into. And the point of life becomes this lovely kind of dancing with the self doing its thing, catching us out and experiencing what's before that. And that's the whole point. And there's yeah. even joy. So it's not a journey of suffering, trying to get to some enlightenment. You're like, no, no, no. The whole joy in life is being tripped up by it. Yeah, what, what was coming through for me as you were speaking there, and, I, and it's interesting, maybe I've never, why have I never thought this before? But 
have I ever thought? Who knows, right? Yeah. We are both awareness, consciousness, and human. Yes. That is the ma- that is the magic of this opportunity. Yes. So we can we can attach to this phenomenal space, the opportunity that comes from being truly connected into those bigger spaces, non-dual spaces, the awakened spaces. But we can really acknowledge the humanness of the experience of this life. Yes. And actually, it's the dance, as we said before, between those two states. But the more we can elegantly move in and out of those worlds, create union between those two worlds, then actually then this dance becomes the real beauty, the real opportunity of what we're doing. Exactly. And you actually enjoy being human more. So I often say that this understanding let you're enabled to become less of yourself and more of yourself at the same time. And actually, you, you, there's more richness in getting upset, sad, whatever it is, in being tripped up by 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 the self. There's more. Actually, there's more richness in that. And it's not like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be like that. And and again, for me, it comes back to little kiddies. They don't seem to care what they're up to, whether they're having a tantrum or not. And it looks quite fun sometimes to be, you know. So the, the I, I think that the the thing though is the. The spot is we are both absolutely both. It it is reminding ourselves though, and actually more than reminding, realizing, recognizing which one is essential. Because yeah. I think a lot of people have thought I'm a human being and I can have a spiritual experience sometimes, right? No, flip that round. You know, flip that round. Essentially, what I am is awareness, non-dual, that space, and within that, there'll be a human experience. Yeah, right? and the human experience is the richness. It's where the rubber hits the road, if you like. It's where the, con- it's the contact point yeah. of this opportunity, this life, to experience that. And as you say, to what extent can we really embrace that? Yeah. But not get trapped in, as you say, the two-year-old who can have the freedom to laugh, to giggle, to smile, to have the freedom of that at the same time, moments later, to have the tantrum and cry and scream. Mm. Rather than sometimes the adult experience becomes trapped in, you shouldn't show that, you shouldn't feel that. And then we get trapped in this conditioning that then becomes this the way to behave. And suddenly we can't, we don't get to celebrate the true joy of life, or we don't get to actually fully express in the moment the anger or the rage in a way that is healthy to let ourselves move through it. Yeah. Unfortunately, we sometimes get stuck in it and then we vegetate and conjugate and you know, we get lost in this world of the suffering where actually we could let it pass us through us more freely, yeah. giving us a greater richness to the experience to then actually to have this dance play out in a much more elegant fashion. Yeah, I we, we, we have to lean into life more and and, and be it. I, I think that's, that's yeah. right. So... Slightly different question now. Someone's listening to this. They're resonating with pieces of it. Some of it might make sense. Some of it might not. But some of it is. <laughs> what would you? And it's going to be. I know it would normally be individual. But what would you recommend for someone who's thinking maybe there's something in all this? Well, what would you recommend they sort of started to look at or get curious about? Well, I think as I say, if we took those two axes of betterment. Mm-hmm. 
striving. I, I think in many ways, society will take care of that for people. They don't need our help to stay on that conveyor belt. Yes. <laughs> of, of chasing more, of, of kind of that whole, the improvement side of things. I think it's, so I think it's get curious and explore this sense of, for, for my for my routine was contentment mm. or being versus doing or getting and that, that piece of self-inquiry can be really powerful who am i that some of us come through from a period of meditation might be a way into that helps us begin to focus the mind and question the mind and open up so mindfulness can be a routine mm-hmm. but the self-inquiry to begin to to work in groups and again i think there's something about allowing yourself to have conversations as, as we've explored you know for, for the time here it's it's actually of course some of the work i need to do on my own and you do on your own or, but actually some of the work is in the exploration of this in groups in mm-hmm. conversation not disappearing down our navel for the sake of you know but but actually mm. being in a space of being genuinely curious around meaning of life or quality of life or whatever those things are, but using these tools that are, that have in the past perhaps been tools of the esoteric or the spiritual, but actually bringing them into the main, you know, into, yeah. into the kind of reality and saying this can be part of an yeah. everyday conversation. Because it's highly, highly relevant to what we're doing in life, you know, whether that's at work or at home. And I think I think you're right. I think one of the things we have to do is, press pause more on the busy busy of life yeah right um i mean i funny i speak to some people going oh yeah i listen to your podcast on times two because i haven't got time to listen to it on times one and i'm like okay that's slightly missing the point i understand why you might think that's a useful thing of time and if you're listening to a recipe of how to cook a lentil curry you probably can listen to it on times two right but the magic in what we're saying and in what anyone else would be saying as well in this direction is not in the information it's in yeah. people seeing something. So if you can press the pause button on not just life, but also what we think we know, that is, I mean, I think I sometimes phrase it as intellectual humility. Yeah. And particularly in the workplace where we're usually quite academically educated and quite smart and quite savvy and quite logical. And we really got that thinking faculty down done. You know, we're really sharp on our thinking, critical thinking skills, evaluative thinking skills analysis thinking skills we've got to we've got to press pause on those we've got to have some humility to know that the conceptual mind can't get this in the way that it would another kind of concept because it's not a concept and that lovely the humility to embrace the unknown which if you think from our schooling and from most of our work life the the great reward is for those who know yeah but i think where the humility to not know and bring let that open yeah. up into the curiosity of what's possible. Yeah, I think gives gives a huge space to begin to play into, and I think that piece about finding the pause is so powerful because I think so often we become reactive. Our conditioning informs our behaviour. Conditioning informs even the way that we think. Whereas if if we can find that pause. And maybe even do that little bit of a dance to see, am I being led by my conditioning or or is there another choice? Yeah. 
That's... And then, and then, then there's something about becoming response able. Mm -hmm. so we get to be able to choose our response rather than just be, again, reactive and conforming to our patterns, our identification, our conditioning. And that's an interesting thing, yeah, because to me, when the aperture opens a little bit, new choices present themselves, right? And that response able kicks in. You're like, ah, hold on. And it's very interesting because when that door starts to open just a, a, a touch, it start if you can spot that and stay with it and, and that presents itself to you, it starts to open more and more and more, yeah. right? So I often find people with this, once the door opens a bit, it tends to open a bit more and, and unless they get back into the busyness and press fast forward, not pause, right. To go to our metaphor. So that is something I usually recommend to people. If they're starting to get curious about this, I go, okay, you might need to be pressing the pause, allow yourself to press the pause a bit more just for the door to open enough for the almost what seems to then be the innate emergence or magnetism of us to get curious about this. Yeah. And then, and then the mind's like, Oh, hang on. I see something here and it gets feels okay with not knowing that thing we've been all conditioned to do. I mean, who puts their hand up at school and goes, I don't know. So that, because I think that is, if there was number one thing I can recommend people at the early stage is press pause. No, it's okay not to know realize there is a different way. Even if you can't quite see what it is yet. Yeah. Right. And it might the come. And it might come in the first stages through reflective practice it, 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 it could might, it, it might have to be how did i you know look looking back how did i respond what choices did i make so that i could create a habit that begins to go ah could i have chosen something different yeah. could i have could i have chosen a different response so sometimes we have, might have to do it in retrospect yeah well so I, then I we begin right. to open up the moment can we start doing it in the moment can we yeah. find the pause in the moment rather than the rewind and review? Yes, I think you're right. And I think the the this is not to plug our trade, but the advantage of working with someone like ourselves is that we would probably, probably, who knows, <laughs> people are going to like the betterment of this, speed up that process because we, we, we can help point people uh, in a way that can get them from... I know there's something, but I don't know what it is, and then get all caught in the limification of it a, a, a bit more elegantly, probably, just because of our experience and having been there. So I always say people can absolutely do this on their own if 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 whatever. But it, but if you if you but I think a guide in some way can expedite the process. Um not in a seeky way, we should bet them at going, oh, cool, okay, there's a hack they've got. I mean, we sort of got a hack, we sort of haven't. Um, <laughs> it's like, which is it? But it's the, the conditioning is quite clever at coming back round and sucking itself back into the model again. Um, yeah, and some of that, I think, is, is just what we're talking about, isn't it? It's just an alternative perspective. And actually using a conversation with someone else with curiosity and inquiry by its nature, brings a perspective to you that you can't have on your own. Yeah. Well, it, it allows the fertility for insight. Yeah. And just to reiterate, I know I say this in all my podcasts, but you can intellectually listen to the words that are being said here, but the magic happens when they're realized or they're insight and when you see something 
about it for yourself. And that might be in very different words. You know, the, the words here are just the menu, they're, they're not the meal. So, um, you know, it's a little bit like you said earlier, it was, it was a lovely one. You just went, oh, I hadn't quite seen it in that way before. You know, just in that moment, you, you saw something and you're like, oh, now what tends to happen is people get more, the likelihood of that happening for themselves increases once they press pause and they look in this direction. But it doesn't seem to happen so much before we press the pause or, or some kind of pause happens. Yeah. I think that, that moment of can we find insight if we're actually moving at a thousand miles an hour? Sometimes actually press pause, stop, step yeah. away, reflect, consider, gives a chance to just open the aperture a little bit further. Yeah. See something that again, insight changes direction, changes perspective a different view on the world can just open so much mm. that, that once we begin to see it, then we see it more often. Yeah. And that, that's then the journey. And that's its own reward, isn't it? And and I would say, listeners, if you've managed to make it this far in the podcast, you're probably still on that. So that's good. Well done. <laughs> um, so Rick, you, you and I have both worked in the corporate space for a while, attempting to get people to understand and be open to this, what may seem a quite a different way of, looking at development and human potential. How come you think it's not more mainstream? Given the vast benefits that people get from this, why is it not more mainstream? I think there's something to do with this idea of the separate self, and often it's seen in competition with others, and that competition forms part of that identity. But in the main, I think it's down to people leaving that competitive space, almost that fear of losing the edge, that almost the separate self and the insecurity of the separate self can find that edge, that drive or that motivation. But I think there is a place beyond that. And I think the important thing with this work is to recognise this isn't about losing an edge, but gaining a choice, a choice to, to stay within the separate self, and the choice to be in that wider, more open space of awareness. So I think it's not mainstream predominantly because of this fear of the loss of the identity, the loss of the separate self, the loss of the edge, the investment in that separate self, the investment in that identity, the commitment to the identification of the self or of the business. But to move beyond that, I think that's where this work really provides the opportunity. And recognise in that there's a certain amount of freedom. And, and that's, I think, the, the, the challenge and, and the kind of beauty of the opportunity is how can we open up people to see that, to make this way of thinking more mainstream and actually recognise just what it offers in terms of a freedom from a conditioned way of thinking or habitual way of thinking to open up our thinking to be much more expansive and, and with all the world challenges that we've got in the world at the moment, more expansive in a way of how do we work together? How do we solve some of the bigger problems, sustainability, working in unity with other people? So that's, I think, the opportunity. Yes, I, I think you're right. I think people do think that they might lose their ability to perform in the game of life. They like, might lose their ability to achieve. Um, and actually, to such an extent, I've even done testimonial videos showing that exactly the opposite is, is, 
is the case is that when people have this understanding, they don't lose that at all. They don't lose their ability to perform. They actually perform with more ease, grace, and resilience. Uh, they may stop doing some of the things they didn't want to do, but they certainly don't lose their edge. They, they almost gain it. So um, it's, it's a fear that's very unfounded. And I think for some people, they don't even look enough to know whether that might be the case. They just think this stuff looks, can look too woo-woo, esoteric, intangible. It, it doesn't hit them at the conceptual markers that most things do. So they shy away from it, which is a shame because it really doesn't take long, maybe half an hour of properly listening and being present to find out that it's not that at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you're right. It is such an opportunity for the corporate space to start to see this more. And let's, fingers crossed, it starts to happen. Rick, want to kind of wrap, wrap this up and put a bit of a bow on it. Any sort of final thoughts that you might leave a listener with just in as, as we bring it to a close? Well, I, I think it, I think that, that word, stay humble, mm. embrace the not knowing, stay curious, just keep exploring, keep, it's not striving for it. It's almost surrendering into letting things begin to open up for you. But I think that that, that combination of humility and curiosity can really open doors that perhaps the striving, the hard work won't let you see. So it's the pause with humility and curiosity that I think it will yeah. give and keep giving you know, from time to time. Neat. I, I, I love that. I think that they're so important. The curiosity, the pause, the humility. Yeah, I couldn't say that better myself. So, Rick, thanks so much for giving up some of your day. Uh, I've really enjoyed the, the conversation. Um, I'm sure some listeners have. Um, is it okay if we put some details for you in the show notes if people want to reach out or anything like that? Of course, absolutely. And thanks, Pete. It really, a real, yeah, I'm glad we've made this happen. It's taken us a while, but I'm glad we made it happen. So thank you. Good. So listeners, hope you enjoyed that. And as usual, have fun being curious and catch you next time. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to know more, check out our website at qualityofmind.biz. And also feel free to reach out and leave us a review or a comment. Until next time, have fun being curious. <laughs>